triggers abound, don't they? So many things that people say to us. So many things that happen to us. So many things that nobody even observes taking place can trigger a special needs parent. And sometimes the triggers come from the special needs parent and affect the people beyond the bubble of the special needs parents world. That's what we're focusing on today. It's a topic that we haven't delved into. And it's certainly going to be surprising some of the things that I've listed to talk about today. Let's see what comes up as my reflection on each of these. And let's also see what you all think. I'm Marsha Nathai Balkisun, and it has been 10 years since I became a special needs parent when my daughter Emma was eight months old and became brain injured and bedridden following a mistake that happened in the hospital that caused her to flatline and lose oxygen to her brain for 20 minutes. The past 10 years have taught me so much about how to deal with overwhelm and with loss and with many negative emotions. But it's also taught me how to find hope again, how to discover new dreams as I say goodbye to the old ones. And it has led me to a whole different direction in my life. One that says, even when there are big challenges, even when there's overwhelm that you never quite get rid of, you still deserve to live a life of joy and fulfillment. And I coach other parents working or stay at home to help them to open up their life, to level up and thrive to really feel the spark and the shine despite how hard it might look from the inside or the outside. As the input to kick off this episode, I did some research. I chatted with some people. I read some blogs. I did some Google searches. I was very surprised by some of the really harsh things that I read and that I heard, some of the unkindness that came up, some of the doubt, some of the othering. And none of these things might surprise the listener. But then again, it all seems very triggering to me. And I guess it depends on what mood we are in and on what day we listen to this episode to determine whether we'll shrug it off, whether we'd get defensive, whether we'd get angry, whether we'd say that an unfair response or an unfair statement has been made. So I hope that I give some clarity and it's really just going to come from my intuition, the things that I respond as I read each of these. But I also am very, very interested in hearing what your views are. 
And if you agree or disagree with what others have said or felt, or maybe with what I'm saying or feeling. The first statement uses a word that I don't usually use in my communications, but I think to bring across the gist of the emotion here, I need to use the word. So forgive me if it rubs one or two of you the wrong way. This is a statement. Special needs parents are shitty people. I was very surprised to see that somebody actually wrote this. And as I read more, I found so many more people saying things like this. I saw people saying special needs parents are entitled. They expect everybody to bend over backward for them. They feel that their children should be given more more comfort and more accommodations. They are greedy people, always seeking to take more, 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 even at the expense of others who may be more in need. They are loud people, aggressive people, people who take up too much space, more than their share of space. How does that... How does that land for you? I've been thinking about it and, and you know, I, I've done reading over the years and, and I see, for example, in some of the first world, world countries where there are grants and there are entitlements and there are programs where you sign your child up and you can access care that is your right for your child. And even for yourself, there may be ways to apply for support for you and for your family, not just your special needs child. For example, for respite care, you might get in a certain state, in the States, 20 hours respite care um a month these things sound so beautiful to me um coming from a caribbean country but i know that there are children of many different needs and levels when we look at the continuum of special needs And so I know that depending on where a child is diagnosed to be on the continuum, depending on that child's needs, how severe and how varied the needs are, some children get more support, more equipment, more care, um, perhaps more funding to support their needs and their family's needs than other children and I believe that not every special needs parent is happy with the difference that some special needs parents may say that there's an unfair disparity and they may want more for their child 
this is something that I think has to be really regulated carefully in order to be fair. But I do not think that every special needs child is to be considered entitled to to the exact same things in terms of funds, in terms of extra support from therapy and from caregiving and, and all the other things that may be available. And that's just the truth, right? It doesn't mean that if you have an invisible disability, I don't think you're entitled to anything for your child. But I do think that for the children who have the most complex needs, for those children who have so many multiple disabilities, and for the children who might not ever be able to move or speak or do anything on their own independently, even way into adulthood, there must be much more that is given to to such a child and their family to support that child's life and well-being and safety full stop then we have the hate word and this is one where special needs parents may say i hate other special needs parents or where people who are not special needs parents say I hate special needs parents. As I researched this I found that people said you know I don't identify with special needs parents. I think these are a bunch of people who are overprotective, who are unfair in their judgments, who are chronic complainers who always want to appear to be um, so put out by life and so pressured and that really made me sad to, to see people saying these things and writing these things. Saying that special needs parents are bitter and special needs parents are disconnected and, 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 and cannot build relationships and are standoffish how sad it is that this is the perception that many people have of a special needs parent. Here's what my perspective is. And I am a special needs parent, so I'm speaking from inside my bubble looking out. And hopefully I speak on behalf of most or all special needs parents as I say this. I have had scores, if not hundreds, of experiences 
were people who I was very, very close to backed quickly away from me after my child became a special needs child. And it felt like all of a sudden I was a scary, different species to them that no longer did they feel safe connecting with me that I made them so uncomfortable just by my existence that they had to run away turn their backs and not see me and choose not to speak to me in order for them to be able to be comfortable that broke my spirit for many many years that feeling that I had been ousted from the hearts of the people whom I thought would have been there for me in my most broken times and that feeling that not only was I no longer loved or accepted or cared for but that I had become unlovable. Understanding what my perception was when this was happening, perhaps it can make it understandable why it would have felt really difficult for me to reach out and to say, Could I have some time with you? Would you consider making some space in your calendar for me? That could be one reason why somebody will hunker down and not extend themselves to make connections and therefore seem to be isolating, self-isolating. Um, and that in turn can seem resentful that's one two there was genuine resentment that I felt uh, many times as I felt ousted and unloved and rejected and really unfairly treated because I was dealing with the loss of so many things, my child first of all, my dreams second of all, my finances and my hope and my physical, emotional and mental well-being and the list goes on and on and so when somebody is being buffeted in so many ways as they are thrown into an experience that nobody trains them to have, what do they do? They might just try to, to survive. In other words, there is no time to say, I would like to self-actualize. I would like to make friends. I'd like to be a social butterfly. Those things go out of the window. In my experience, it went out of the window for seven or so years while I was just trying to get my child to survive. While I was just trying to do the bare minimum to keep my other child with his head above the water 
as I spent most of my time and energy on my child who was brain injured and bedridden. And somewhere in there, to keep a house going and to remember that I had a, a marriage and somehow put a little effort into that and to manage grocery shopping and cooking and a full-time job and the list goes on and on. So what ends up looking to outsiders like I am overprotective or unfair or needing so much more attention or complaining or I don't know what else the appearance might be from the outside. I think it, it shows that way from the outside because it's lost in translation. No one understands what you experience when you're on the inside of the nightmare and you interpret it differently from the outside. So I say that on behalf of myself or others who might have been in that situation. And I have seen special needs parents who are much more politically correct, who are gentler and smilier. And I think what wonderful people and how resilient and how kind and how gentle and how smiley they are. Did I ever wish that I could be like that more? Yes. I wish that I could be more happy-go-lucky. But looking back, I don't think it was possible given how severe the damage was to my child at the time and the fact that I was just trying to survive it and keep my marriage intact and handle the mental issues that my son was also facing you know while I was being told of problem after problem problem that was emerging for my special needs child when every day is a discovery of something else that's unexpected that's wrong that turns over what you think reality could ever be. I guess at some point you stop worrying about what somebody else thinks. You don't have the luxury of time or energy to focus on that because you're on the hamster wheel 24-7. And you're not even getting to sleep. You might be sleeping two hours in 10 minute snatches through the night. So there's no way to defend it, but there is to me a way to explain so much and I hope that makes it easier for somebody who might say, I hate special needs parents, to say, oh, okay, maybe um, there's space for me to not other these people. Um, and instead to be compassionate to what they are experiencing. This one came up a few times. Statements from special needs parents saying, I hate being a special needs parent. 
I hate this life. There's no light at the end of the tunnel for me. Those were some of those statements. And honestly, I've heard that from some. I think it's from some who have reached a, a really low level where they say, you know what? I don't care what people are going to judge about me, but I have to share this truth that I feel trapped, that I feel there's no escape from the darkness, that I feel like every day I get up and I put on this cloak of heaviness or cloak of invisibility or this never-ending uh, journey that I'm on I just have to take one more step but it's the same cycle every day it's the same fear it's the same thing hanging over me or bearing down on me or stripping me of my last reserve and the last bit of energy those are the things that so many special needs parents have expressed. And in my mind, I think those who actually come out and say it are brave people. Why do I say that? Because when anybody says, I feel trapped in being a special needs parent... They say it knowing fully well. They will be vilified by others for saying it. They know that if they say, I feel trapped in my special needs parent role. I feel trapped in this situation. People are going to immediately read that as I resent my child for having me in this situation. And that is in no way, in my opinion, what a special needs parent says when they say I feel trapped or I feel that this is, I'm never going to get out of this. The fact is that special needs parents, most special needs parents deeply, deeply love their special needs children they sacrifice so much they love so much they receive so much joy from their child they hope so much for their child they work so hard to support their child to develop to grow to be safe to be well to research and to learn and to stay on top of things to continue to spot anything that might be changing for the worse or for the better so we can get up and rush to support our child the best we can, to chase finances so that we can afford the therapies, the medicals, the surgeries, the equipment, and the list goes on and on, the rest of life care, so I do not think that when a special needs parent says, I hate being a special needs parent, 
or I feel trapped in being a special needs parent. I definitely do not think that it equates to I hate my child. That's not what's being said. It's I hate being crushed under all of this weight. I hate being alone. I hate hopelessness. I hate living in fear. I hate not knowing what's coming tomorrow or what's coming around the corner. I hate the unpredictability of this life. I hate that I cannot provide easily and comfortably for everything that my child will ever need. Those are just some of the things that I think think many a special needs parent would say that they hate, would say that they feel really uncomfortable about. What about when somebody says, perhaps the most triggering thing of all for me and all that we'll talk about in this episode, and I actually saw this in black and white. When somebody says, disabled children are annoying, are not cute, they look like aliens, they look so messed up, and I don't think that there's anything that anybody could call cute or lovable about them. Gosh, that was hard to read. And somewhere as I read, I saw that somebody described some of our children as characters that had been created in a random app that does character creation and randomizes features. So you just spit out a combination that's not normal at all. And this makes your child totally not fit in, not cute at all. That feels so heavy. I know that some people listening would feel so angry. So, so much rage would be pouring out of them. For me, I feel... so empty and sad because what I see when I look at my child is the challenges that she has to face I see those challenges many many challenges and I see how much bravery and beauty and joy and positivity and depth of spirit and authenticity and love and trust and hope. 
and never give up spirit that she brings into everything she does, into all that she is. And I want to say that I feel sorry for those people who say this, but I don't feel sorry for them. I think I just prefer to push the thought of those people out of my mind and fill my mind and my thoughts with the beauty of my child. And I choose to be grateful that I can see how resplendent her beauty is, how resplendent our children's beauty is. They may not look, so many of our children may not look like a neurotypical child or like a non-disabled an able-bodied child. They may not look like that. But just as we see beauty in the able-bodied child or the neurotypical child, I do feel blessed that this journey has helped me to see the beauty in our disabled children, the strength in our disabled children. And I do think that that ability to see that beauty has been trained up in me over the years because I don't think I had that ability cranked up to a hundred. when I first became a special needs parent. And so putting myself back in the shoes of the person who wasn't a special needs parent once, going back to that version of me, I think there was an expectation of what would be a normal look. Um, and there was low sensitivity and low empathy not because I wasn't a kind person but somehow there's some training up and sensitization that I needed to have been outfitted with and it took years for that to train up in me yeah it it took time it took it took hardening I, I think it took toughening because 
once upon a time I couldn't look. I couldn't look for long enough because I felt too much fear or pain when I looked at a disabled child before I was a special needs parent. I would think I was being empathetic by smiling or saying something gentle. But I think that it's a whole different level that I've gotten to because I now walk on the other side of the line. When someone says, with a shrug, well, that's just your cross to bear. Well, that's what you came here to do. And then they go on to say, so man up and face it. Just do your job. I've gotten this more times than I care to remember. And I've been told this mostly by people in my extended family. People who are pretty close to me in my extended family. And some who are further away. And I know I felt othered and unloved and I longed for some empathy and I did not receive it and I remember feeling very resentful. I remember somebody said, well, you're meant to be a caregiver for the rest of your life and my advice is to quit your job and move move home and be a full-time caregiver to your child. And I remember thinking, so when I do that, who's going to pay for all of the bills that I'm still getting from the hospital from keeping her alive? And who's going to put things in place for the rest of her life that's you know, looming into the future. And who's going to handle the therapy bills and the medical bills and the surgery bills and the equipment bills? Who's going to handle all of that if I give my job up? How is magic supposed to happen? It's so easy for somebody to say, well, here's your situation get to it and you're out there like the little match girl in the cold and all you want is a hug that was a distant family member who first told me that one and then I had the very close family member who said well child God doesn't give you more than you can bear. That's your cross. And you have to figure out how to deal with it. And that was the end of the wisdom that spouted. And somehow that person thought that they had done their good thing, deed for the day with that statement. And they were happy to move on.
Honestly, I thought I'd move past this, but I am being triggered right now in this moment. My chest is tight, my throat is tight, and I feel rejected. Again, by a person whose job I thought it was to be loving to me. But what I learned was that in this job of special needs parent, there's a skill that we have to develop and that is learn to love yourself doesn't matter what goes on outside of you and all of the storms tossing in your life and outside nothing that happens should rock the boat of your love for yourself and your ability to be kind and to gently parent yourself and that i've found is a skill and an ability that you really work hard to train up and that you have to reprogram so many of your limiting beliefs and mindsets to get to but it's not impossible and that you have to keep working at it keep practicing get better at not beating yourself up and at not feeling your own self and get brave about sharing your experience so that you're not locked in your hellish experience inside your mind because you need to get it out or else it keeps poisoning you when someone says i would not trade lives with you for all the love or money in the world and that goes hand in hand with somebody saying Would you choose for your child to be in this world if you knew that your child would be the way he or she is? I've been actually asked that question straight to my face right after I launched my book, Lighting the Path. Immediately after the launch party, which was online, somebody wrote to me and said, knowing all this pain would you still choose who i took that as such an insulting question all i wanted to do was hang up and never speak to that person again because i had just explained in the launch of my book lighting the path how beautiful my daughter emma is how much joy and love i feel in and from that child what bright bright light emanates from her and i feel so much of that same kind of light and love and joy 
from the other special needs children I've met, who are many. I understand somebody saying, your life looks so painful, so messy, so hard, so uncomfortable. I wouldn't choose it, not in a million years. And that's what these people are saying when they say, I would not trade lives with you. Had I had that question before I ever was a special needs parent, I suppose I would also say, what a hard life, I wouldn't choose it. But from the inside looking out now, would I choose my child? Even if my child were hurt? Would I choose to have her? Would I choose to have this particular family? And even with knowing all the pain that came along with it? Yes. I would choose the love that I have. I would choose the connection. I would choose the particular mix that feels so right. We belong together, the four of us in this family. I do think that it has to be an individually answered question for each family, for each family member, for each special needs parent. But in my heart of hearts, I would never, never, never choose a life where I didn't get to know my Emma and I didn't get to love my Emma and I didn't have these people in this family as my family. And that feels like a wonderful place to end this episode doing this episode has been tougher than I expected uh, and I'm ending it feeling heavy in my throat and in my heart and also so lucky to have my little family and my special needs child Emma uh, if you're a special needs parent, I hope that in addition to the heaviness that might still be on you from certain points in what we've talked about, you also are carrying a light and a joy and a love that has been made to shine even brighter as the discussion has happened here. And I hope that you too feel so lit up by the fact that your special needs one or ones are in your life and that you treasure them for the very unique beings that they are and for the precious 
experience of life that we are having in our situations. Please feel free to go to Amazon.com and look for Lighting the Path, which is my book. And I raise it because in that book I have brought up so many of the hard emotions that we have to deal with. And I share stories and experiences, tips and tools and insights and checklists to support others who are dealing with them to help them to find so much more joy and feel less alone and know that somebody else is just ahead of them or just behind them on the path. The second half of the book moves beyond all of the hard emotions and moves into how do you visualize the best life that you want to build for you and your family and how do you start making it real piece by piece element by element aspect by aspect with lots of checklists and experiences tips and tools shared there as well i know it's my book but I am very, very sure that it's going to be a resource that is useful to you and that you'll go back to. That's what the 41 reviews have said so far of the book. And it was my intention that the book feel like a friend holding your hand. If you do pick up a copy of the book, it's in electronic format as well as in paperback and hardcover. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or on Facebook or by leaving me a voice message. And let me know that you've bought the book. Give me some feedback. Tell me how I can support you a little bit more. And of course, please leave me some comments about what's come up for you as you've listened to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so that more episodes of the Special Needs Parent Podcast can come to you every week as they are released on Thursdays. All the best to you, my friends. Bye-bye.